brought to you by the human Jared. element. <laughs> this is the ASMR <laughs> section. Gaming. Gaming episode. Uh, okay, go ahead. <laughs> Hi, buddy. Welcome to the Human Element Kara's podcast on modern marketing. We are excited today. We've got two of our own. I always love it when we have uh, have our own folks. First is Apollo da Waraboko. How'd I do? Yeah, like you did 90%. It. You got it there. Oof, that's yeah, tough. Over the As- line. Associate Director of Strategy. And Mike Liu, lo and behold, our old friend. Welcome back. Thank you very much. You're excited to be here, aren't you? Always. Is this third, fourth? What is this? Third. Third. Third, third right. yeah. You're getting there. As I've told uh, Strings many times, you get a blazer when you make five appearances. It's oh, like Saturday I'm almost Night Live, there. right? Yeah. What kind of I'm blazer? sewing it in the back. Don't Cheap. worry. Okay. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Cheap. Have you seen our budget? All right. You guys are here to talk about E3, which I couldn't know less about. So today is like Educate Robert thing. Uh, so I'm very excited about that. But as frequently true, we are jo- fresh from Serbia. We are joined by the amazingly talented Chelsea Contre. Hi, everyone. I can't even. <laughs> she can't even talk. No. Do you, do you want to share anything about your vacation? No, I'm in a cloud of jet lag. <laughs> top <laughs> moment. Just now. one moment. That's, we like to bring people at the top of their game onto the pod. Yeah. We're here to talk about E3, which is like some kind of gaming expo, yeah? So E3 started off as an industry-facing expo. It's the largest in North America. Pretty much, it was for businesses to come in and see what the latest releases were, consoles, everything like that, games. And then it slowly migrated into like consumer-facing. They allowed fans in because um, originally you were only supposed to go there if you were in the industry itself. So, so it was a B2B thing at first. Yeah, correct. Okay. And then now it's just like this huge, overwhelming, highly produced convention where you've got a lot of business people, then you've got people in costumes joining. So it's just like a really interesting mix between business and fandom where people come in, they bring influencers, they bring gamers, they bring Got people, it. regular people to come test things out. What costumes were you guys wearing? I was wearing my favorite costume. What? My my face. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Birthday suit. Yeah. No. No, we weren't wearing any costumes. But I kinda was I kinda wish what we What was did the over on off the rails? <laughs> <laughs> One minute. <laughs> Most of the costumes we saw were from the companies themselves putting on pretty awesome displays we like Fortnite. What was your motivation for going this year? You know, it's twofold. One, working on Xbox, which is, you know, a fun client. We want to make sure we're fully aware of what's going on in the business. And they had their briefing on the Sunday, the first Sunday of the show. And so it was really great to to be there for that experience and see, you know, see the new games they announced. The second thing is like gaming is becoming a more of a bigger conversation within our our world as a media agency with a lot of clients asking about how they get invested more in gaming. So it was helpful to just get there, listen to people talk about the business, see what brands were doing there, and understanding you know how some of the smartest brands were in, were becoming more and more invested into this community that's growing and becoming more powerful in culture. Yeah, and just to add to that, I think being there on the ground helped 
tremendously to understand and give a feel for the community and culture overall, just because we can read reports and stats from Business Insider and all the other endemics out there. But until you actually speak with gamers, with streamers, with the people at the booths to get a sense of what the community is about, what they get excited about, what they're not excited about, I think that was really important for us to actually be there and experience it. Where was it? It was in LA, which is fun, you know. Right across from Staples Center. It's a mm-hmm. Los Angeles convention center. Oh, like LA, the LA Live area. Yeah. 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 And it's actually across the street from Microsoft Theater where oh, yeah. Xbox took over and had their own little section there, or okay. huge section, I should say. Yeah. It was, it was pretty awesome. Okay. You walk onto the show floor, you kind of have a set of things that you want to look at and pay attention to. Were there any things that sort of struck you immediately, either brands or platforms or new innovations or anything? We walked in the first day, and right when we walked in, there was a massive Fortnite area where they oh. they, they were handing out candy. They were had, handing out these um, foam axes from the game, basically. It was amazing. They really were like, we're going to make sure you recognize it with a top dog. And that was pretty cool. And the other spectrum, we found at the very back of the convention center, Geico had their own gaming section. And it really? was just Geico Gaming. And we were kind of confused by it but we went up to speak to them like yeah we don't actually have a gaming platform but we know that our audience is here so we partnered up with the development team who makes games and we're just here with them to to release it and to trial it out and test yeah. it out and so we thought that was like a really interesting weird way don't know if it worked for them or not but a way of a brand getting into the gaming community you know it's funny i they get a lot of credit for just trying stuff yeah. right i mean they will definitely try Kind of anything. Yeah, one uh, of the most recognized brands out yeah, there. For yeah, for sure. And again, an incredibly cluttered and, and, and complicated category. So they've got to do different stuff. Mm-hmm. Let's talk Fortnite for a second since since you brought up Palabo. Look, I'm the least expert in the room on this particular topic, other than the observations I make of my children and their friends. In the Schwartz sphere, the the boil is off on Fortnite. The boil, can you explain? Oh, off the boil, oh, uh, yeah. meaning it is clearly on the de- it is on the decline as a hot item, right? Like, so things that get talked about, things that I see, things that I hear about. A year ago, this this definitely was in the list. A year and a half ago, now uh, the word Fortnite has not been mentioned in my house in some time. There is this trend now where games are popular for really long periods of time because they update themselves. And Fortnite's entire model is updating itself every two weeks. Like literally the name Fortnite is for that reason. So I will say they probably are going to be around for a really long time and still raking it in. They're just not going to be at the top of like of mind when it comes to what's what is the great the next greatest game. I'm sure Cyberpunk 2077, which is coming out next year and had a, has a Keanu Reeves as a, as a character in it and that caused a storm. That'll be something that excites what everybody. What storm did that cause? Well, it, it was trending on Twitter for like three days. And I Mike has a video of me screaming, I love oh, you. I, have a, I do have this video of Apollo <laughs> screaming, I love you to Keanu Reeves. Yeah, it was this awesome. one of those times where I wish we had visuals associated with our podcast. Yeah, it was, it was really awesome. Why do you think brands should be in this space, spending time at this particular conference? Like, what are the benefits? If you're if you're somebody who has been, or if you're a brand manager somewhere and you're thinking about, all right, does this make sense for me to participate in? What, what would be the reasons why? It's just a smart thing, just because the audience is, is so large, the income and the spending buying power is so large. One of the recent stats I read was 85% of households say they have a gaming device in there. And I don't know how they define it. It could be an right. iPad, it could be an 
a phone, right? Yep. But there's still a lot of money going into those types of uh, platforms. But I think the audience is there. It's maturing a lot. There's a lot of different types of people that are playing games that you would not be aware of previously. I think the whole notion of the type of video gamer, mm-hmm. that type of person is is very different from what you imagine. It's not just some kid in the basement playing on the computer or anything like that. I think that's just an old trite term to describe a gamer. It could be Apollo, it could be myself, it could be you and, and your kids all playing the same game, but you just don't know who right. each other are. So it's not all hoodies and vans. That's what you're not all hoodies and vans. Pretty much what I'm wearing (laughs) right now. (laughs) You know, not only just is the gaming audience growing, a lot of other industries are paying attention to it. So, Mm. think um, which founder or which CEO was it? HBO. Oh no, no, Netflix. Netflix CEO said that HBO is not their only competitor. They view video games like Fortnite as their main competitor because if essentially you're competing for attention, sure, that's where everybody's spending their time. So you've got a little white paper that you guys are about to publish. What are sort of the major highlights and takeaways from that? Yeah, I think there are a couple, just a really top line ones. There's the rise of cloud gaming, right? We all know about cloud computing. It's really the stuff that allows us to 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 have a lot of the technology we have today around us. Cloud gaming is basically that where you're you're instead of you loading up a game on your phone or your on your console, you're just streaming it like you would Netflix, right? So you when you go watch Netflix, you don't have to download every movie you're watching. You're just streaming. Same thing with that with gaming, and that's going to really change a lot of things, not only for the gaming industry, but for those who are interested in it and brands around it because it's going to lead to more users being in a logged in state across multiple devices. Mm. And that allows somebody like Google, who's just launching Google Stadia, to now have a better and deep understanding of where consumers are. And that could mean brands are better able to target and communicate with those folks. The other thing where we talk about is, you know, what we saw there, streamers were everywhere, literally from the moment we got in line on the, on the hot Sunday, there was everybody around us had a, had one of those sticks with the cameras on, at the end of it. Selfie just re- stick. Selfie sticks recording themselves, talking yeah. about what God knows what. It's like, who are you and what is your life so interesting that you're recording yourself? But anyway, everyone was recording on the floor sure. everywhere you went. Who got banned again? Doctor Disrespect. Disrespect. Yeah, he got banned for streaming from the bathroom. I think as a joke. I don't know why, but it wasn't funny to most people, I guess. And that's just a that's just the nature of the beast. (laughs) (laughs) That's the nature of the beast right now. It's basically the Stephen A. Smiths of the world are around gaming, just commenting and playing it. And so uh, that's a big part of this culture. And I think the last bit that we talk about is just how incredible it's been with brands and, and, and companies being involved in gaming. I think the most famous example we've been seeing is like the Wendy's in Fortnite. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of other examples where brands are actually integrating themselves into games. And I think, you know, we talked about Geico Gaming earlier. It's just that there's so many people are gamers and gamers their habits are really enticing to brands and that they're profitable consumers to go after, that it actually makes a lot of sense for brands to take the leap and actually get invested in the world of gaming. Yeah, and I think just the fact that there's gaming in general just has multiple tiers and levels. You could be a casual gamer on your phone, just hardcore gamer on a PC or a console. And so there's just so much money being poured into it and so many people playing it. So if you play, I know you play Candy Crush on your way home, Rob. Every night. So if you While do, driving. you're you're also feeding that ecosystem. It's a joke. Don't game and drive. If the folks. NYPD is listening to this podcast, <laughs> I do not play Candy Crush on the way home. 
Let me ask you a quick, because again, the scale is material, right? So I'm with you. And it's a massive platform and it's the Wild West. So there's lots of places for brands to be. And there's probably all kinds of upside. There's probably some downside too. What are you telling brands about ways to just dip their toe into the water? So if I'm somebody that's got a little bit of an experimental budget or I've got some places where I, I think I can steal some money to do something, what, what do you tell them to do? Yeah, we always look to approach new areas and innovation in general, like a crawl, walk, run strategy. So how do you dip your toe into it to how do you get involved, much more involved to how do you really, really dive head first in? So, you know, if you just want to dip your toe in it, at least just surround the content, um, work with some of the endemics like an IGN or a GameSpot or Twitch where the gamers frequent and just sort of just be around with your media, seeing how that's going. So another definition of that is that's kind of audience targeting in the space. Correct. Okay, that's yeah. one. That's one. And then if you go a level farther in, you can start to interact with some of the leagues, some of the streamers, mm. start to get your brand integrated within that ecosystem. And then going much more further, which is having brand integration inside of a game or being a partner into an e-league or a competition mm. or sponsoring a house of athletes or an esports athletes. Those will take a lot more investment, a lot more time, and a lot more um, just resources in general to make sure that it pays off the community and it pays off the brand objective and goals. Esports. We've so, talked about it before. We have, not on this pod. <laughs> but for people who like sports like Robert, so this might be your only gaming option here, <laughs> what kind of conversations were had at E3 around esports? Is there any big news that's happening in that category? So there wasn't actually any major announcements around esports. There were tournaments being held. So the, I think at the Saturday before the conference, there was a Nintendo uh, Super Smash Brothers competition. I actually met like a athlete who won gold. He was like this tiny guy from Japan or whatever, and he had this massive gold chain on him. It was incredible. <laughs> I was like, this is balling. Anyway, <laughs> and it, it was really cool. It was quick conversation in the elevator, but it's they it, call themselves athletes, yeah, like winners, They're yeah, athletes. yeah. Yeah, they are. I mean, anybody they, can be an athlete. <laughs> it's this really is hard an, for me to wrap my head around. Right, look, this is an age-old conversation, right? <laughs> this takes us in, down a road. Like we could have this debate later. There are athletes in the broadest definition, right? So there's reaction and and hand-eye coordination, and th- th- there are athletic attributes to that. So for the purposes of today's pod, we're not going there. <laughs> That said, at the actual conference, there was no major announcement around esports, partially because it's only like, it's a small sect of what gaming is. You know, I think when you look, even if you look by ad revenue, I think it's less than 10% of ad revenue from game and gaming comes from esports related things. That's because there's so much more going on, right? So people are announcing full on like technological innovations like cloud gaming and Project uh, X Cloud, right? Announcing brand new titles like cyberpunk and, and just announcing a lot of the major things that are going on in the world. And, and in reality, they're like only really five games that really are esports games because, you know, one, you have to be a competitive game. Two, yep. you have to be a popular game. Three, you have to be a game that isn't too easy. Like I should never be able to play that a game and, and win a game that's maybe an esports game, right? So and then on top of that, you need enough athletes who are who are able to play that game and at a high level. So there's a lot of actual sure. things that go into that. So they're part of the conversation. They're just not at the heart of it. And I think there's a misconception that esports is the only way into gaming mm. and it's the biggest part of it. And it's really not. Talk a little bit about Twitch. Where are we in sort of the importance of that? 
It's an endemic streaming platform. And I think because of what it represents in that there's a sustainable model for streaming games, that's awesome, right? It really validates the gaming industry. I do think that you have to consider the fact that YouTube, Facebook, these general market streaming platforms actually host and have been hosting gaming content for a really long time. And, you know, if you had somebody from YouTube in here, they would tell you how their numbers dwarf Twitch. Twitch provides us with something really incredible, a validation of that of gaming as a streaming and a media platform. Yep. But it's just one piece of the puzzle and there's a lot of different ways in. And they do some really unique stuff as because they're so endemic to gaming like TwitchCon and they have a lot of great relationship with streamers and, and gamers. Yeah, I'd say like they figured out how to reward that type of behavior. I mean, I think it's an ecosystem where you can stream and you actually get paid for it and you can make a living off of it. Whereas other platforms before that were not doing so. And so they weren't really supporting that culture and that community. And so Twitch is, is of high importance right now for gamers as well as Mixer, which is Microsoft owned or Xbox owned. Yeah. But then you've got Google Stadia coming out. And that's a big thing because they're competing directly with Xbox and PlayStation from a console perspective. But even from a streaming perspective, being able to play and then kick it over to YouTube at the same time, and they're integrating the gameplay with YouTube sure. so seamlessly that that's going to be a really exciting thing to see what spurs out of that and to see if that will actually get adoption. But there's a lot of other things going on with YouTube right now that may or might not swing that way. Let's talk about Google's entry into the space. What were some of the most significant takeaways you guys had from the conference about that? Stadia was not as present at E3 in general because they made their announcements before E3. But a lot of people are excited about it, and our, our clients and the industry in general are looking at them pretty closely. You can't ignore such a giant like Google coming into your, your territory. But I think the, what they're trying to promise is the reality of being able to take your game and play it from your couch to the bus to work on any device, anywhere. And I think there's just such a dependence on 5G to allow that to happen. I think, again, what what was so beneficial for us to go to E3 was to speak to gamers, speak to developers, and get their take on, is that really going to happen? What's their expectation? And a lot of them are, are really pessimistic on the reality of that because of the infrastructure that's in place here in the U.S., not only just the U.S., but globally, how are you going to be able to have 5G to support that? Because a lot of these games, sure, you can play on the cloud if they're Candy Crush or very low-load-bearing low games. Yep. But if you have high-processing games, competitive games like first-person shooters or competitive, other, other competitive games, latency matters. And any disruption in service, even if we're just walking down the street with LTE or 4G, you can get broken up and on a call, right? So imagine if you're doing that in a game, and when you just things lose, really matter. When things really matter and you lose because of that, right? <laughs> you said it so adamantly, Mike. <laughs> I, I mean, to I, these, but to these gamers, no, that's, no, no, that's no, everything, I, I, right? No, so. it is everything, and I, I'm, I'm being, obviously, an old man. So you covered a lot of, a uh, couple things in there. Google has done this before. They have been fifth to the party, eighth to the party, 11th to the party, right? We all remember Google+. And they, look, it didn't work. What is it about Stadia that we think gives it a chance. So there are two reasons why this is a different situation. I think, it, again, we're going to go back to cloud gaming and to gaming as a media platform and gaming as media. 
So Google has tons of servers. If if anybody here has a Gmail account or a Google account, you can go online and find out that you have like massive amounts of data provided to you by for free by Google. That's all being stored in their servers. So they have lots of servers and that's really what this is going to come down to outside of 5G. Can you actually store enough data to be streaming from your servers? The second thing is Mike mentioned earlier, YouTube is a big part of this equation. Lots of gaming content exists on YouTube. Yep. Lots of people literally watch YouTube just to watch other people play games or learn how to beat a game, right? And I think I mean, the amount of content on there of like literally people releasing 10-minute videos on FIFA 19 and here's how to get your this first level beat or whatever – and it's racking up 10 million views. That's nothing to sneeze at. So they have these two critical assets. And then they have really, they understand gaming from the perspective of mobile games and, you know, thanks to Android and the app and the Google Play Store. And they have a lot of money. And they can snatch up studios. They can get exclusive games. And we've seen in the past five, 10 years, PlayStation dominate for a while because of some of the exclusive titles like A God of War, Spider-Man 4, and a couple of other titles you can't play anywhere else. So exclusivity matters in the space. So you have exclusive games that they could definitely invest or buy. You have cloud, their servers that allows them to stream cloud gaming. You have YouTube, this media powerhouse that allows them to not only distribute gaming content, but actually distribute playable games in the moment. That's just unstoppable, I think. They, who knows how successful they'll be, but they are in a much better position than if they we were talking about Google+, Plus, which is like they're building a social media platform on the ground up on the basis of their, oh, we just, you know, we have a we're we're on the Gmail. Yeah. Why not? Balbo, that was a very compelling case. Yeah. You should uh, send those bullet points over there. Yeah, right. and I, just to add to that too, I think because Google has the pedigree of being a tech company and the servers in the cloud, Microsoft, on the other hand, does as well. And because they have... Azure, and they've got the from mm-hmm. the Microsoft perspective of being one of the the most revered and top notch enterprise level cloud servers out there, and then they've got Xbox on the same company that has a gaming pedigree that positions itself to have a really bright future as well. When Google came into the mix, that was really interesting for us to take note of because of that that mixture of the the future of where gaming can go if it is cloud, mm-hmm. right? They've got that 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 power there. They they need to build the reputation, they need to build their capabilities from a gaming standpoint because they don't have any heritage there. Where we see PlayStation right now is that they've got all the gaming heritage. They're they're winning right now in terms of players, exclusives of games, everything like that, sales. They don't got the tech element about cloud and, and those types of servers. So it's interesting to just kind of fantasize about who can be another competitor? Is it Amazon and PlayStation teaming up? Is it Netflix? Because they are all about entertainment. Mm-hmm. And then this could also just be an add-on to your subscription, right? If they start to develop games. And so it just sort of blows open the whole competitive landscape to say if a gigantic tech company like Google can just get in right now with money and have the cloud servers, then that means a lot of the cloud-based systems could start looking to to suit gaming companies and pair that up to take on a Google Stadia or an Xbox, Microsoft Xbox. And just, you know, from a Wall Street perspective, you know, your homeboy is always keeping up with that. This actually (laughs) means a lot for just, you know, business models. Like, honestly, if whoever wins this is not only winning on, on the gaming front, but on the tech front, because those cloud servers cost money. So 
Microsoft Azure servers, if as I think they recently announced a partnership with Sony for this mm-hmm. reason, they're making bank on that alone, right? And then on top of this, they're going to have the xCloud that allows people to stream games, et cetera. And then Google has their servers and all those developers that are going to you know, launch on Stadia are probably going to have to pay a cut to Google for use of those servers. So it's really changing the model for gaming. And I do think we're going to see more and more gaming companies say, hey, brands, come into this space and help subsidize us, Mm. our development, our experience, because while it's going to democratize gaming in some shape or form, it's going to probably make it more expensive to develop games and actually host games and and, and run games well. Yeah, as they do with other content. Yeah, and I think Amazon's like not one to look... Well, that's where I was going next. Was Amazon at this thing? And do they have anything to say in this space? We didn't see them. Well, they own Twitch. They own Twitch, but Amazon proper or Amazon Prime was not there from from our knowledge. But, you know, they've already flirted in the gaming industry by putting out their own games that come with Prime and they have their own Amazon controller. But again, they weren't a movie studio either, right? And if people think of the hierarchy of brand in general and service, Prime itself is now, right? It's I want everything shipped now, I want my groceries delivered now, I want to watch my video now. Why not go into the gaming market at the same time, bundle that up with your prime membership, which people already have, and then you might even just either develop your own games, whether they're casual or not, or they, they team up with the studio, or they team up with the PlayStation, or they team up with someone else who's not the caliber of like a Google Stadia or Microsoft Xbox. So there's somebody that we should be looking at in terms of who are the tech partners that's looking to get into the content game? Because that is a really, really big trend that we're seeing. Yeah. And they have, you know, the most successful cloud-based platform in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. That was super fascinating, guys. For somebody who's super skeptical on the space, this was actually really fun. I was going to just add about gaming transferring over to entertainment. Yeah, I was going to. I yeah. think that's like a good thing for us to, to talk about. Because we talk about, Apollo and I talk about this all the time. And we, we wrote a little bit about this in the E3 report that you'll, you'll be releasing soon. But there's a lot of parallels between the gaming industry and many industries, whether it's entertainment, sports, tech. But primarily, there's a few of them, which is subscription-based models. And so there's a, there's a bunch of different business models that are sprouting out from the gaming industry that are mimicking you know, entertainment in Hollywood, such as subscription-based models. You know, pay 15 bucks to get 100, over 100 games on Xbox Game Pass. There's PlayStation Now. And then there's uh, Uplay Plus, which is Ubisoft's version. Um, And there's just a bunch of them that are already out there. So you're starting to see the mimic of people having this all-you-can-eat type access to games versus buying them and owning them. Mm -hmm. That's quite different for for this gaming sector and borrowing it from Hollywood. The other one is studio development, where Xbox just bought up a bunch of different studios, game studios. PlayStation owns a few. Google just started their own called Stadia, of course, and they're partnering up with Ubisoft. And so, as Apollo mentioned earlier, exclusivity and those types of games are really shifting perception. And those are the ones that where people are kind of playing and deciding which console that they or platform they want to play with most. They're grabbing up all these studios, a la Netflix Originals, Hulu Originals, Amazon Prime Originals. And so we're seeing a lot of parallels there as well. There's a lot of things that we're seeing that are trending from entertainment and tech that is being analogous to the gaming industry. Um, I think one of them also, which was really interesting for us, was they are trying to get closer from supply and distribution. So where we saw AT&T buy up Warner Media, 
which is, you know, HBO and Warner and all those guys. And then you have Verizon acquired AOL and Yahoo for a very similar but different reason. They're trying to have the mobile companies and the distribution pipes actually own the content to bundle it in as, a, as an added value or to be more seamless on how they distribute it. The same way of Xbox doing that, PlayStation doing that, mm-hmm. right? Um, but what we're also seeing is HBO Max just got announced, taking Friends, which was the second most popular show on Netflix, taking away from Netflix, going to launch HBO Max, Disney, Disney Plus, they're taking away all the Marvel content from Netflix, launching on their own. So you've got the studios or the networks, the content owners, take it away from the aggregators. And could that possibly happen with the gaming sector as well? And you already see that with Uplay Plus, where they're going to have their own game service. And on top of that, if you have cloud gaming and 5G in the mix, and you don't need a high processing device like a console, and everything's done in the cloud then that actually opens up a lot less barriers for us to play directly through a game developer versus the, the system itself. Yep. So I think there's so many different things that we're looking at right now from a trend that's uh, happening in tech and entertainment to say, is gaming doing that right now? What are they heading towards and how can it spin differently for them? That was really good. Seriously, that was good. I know you didn't believe me when I said it I the don't. first time. I, I, was, no, just, no, no, I was waiting no. for the Vans, <laughs> Vans in the hoodie thing to drop. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> I say it with love, Mike. You're one of my favorite guests. All right, let's jump into a lightning, lightning, lightning round. Best swag you received at the show. Quick. They didn't really have any. They gave you, they gave you like swagless. ice cream sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, that was You nice. didn't come home with one T-shirt. I came home with a hoodie, but I bought that hoodie, and it's my favorite hoodie. And it wasn't from E3, yeah. it was from the Ace Hotel. <laughs> it's so comfortable, though. <laughs> I got I got some pens. I find it staggering that you went to this crazy conference with all these crazy games and all these, you know, well, they visual got a form, things. Like a foam sword, didn't you? Yeah, I got a foam sword, I got a foam too. sword upstairs. If anybody wants it, you can come to the 14th floor. So it's, okay, so you, you, you like that swag so much, you're just giving the swag away <laughs> on the pod. I'm very generous. Uh, <laughs> slash, he didn't care. What's your favorite game to play? Oh, at the, at the experience, the first thing that we did was we went to the Facebook Oculus booth, and we waited like maybe 20, 30 minutes for it, which was short because that line was about two to three hour wait afterwards. You know, my personal account of it was really special because I was freaking out how real it was. Mm. Typically, you have a headset on, you've got cords hanging off of you, you've got sensors all around the room, and you just kind of feel very clunky. But the Facebook Oculus was, the new version at least, was cordless. But it was really real. We played this shooting game. Yeah. And you have to like really pick things up around from your back or from yeah. your hip. And if you let go of the, the trigger, you're sort of like, like letting go of the gun. It was disorienting. You started to, to paddle the canoe. Yeah. Uh, Paolo, any your favorite game? What's your favorite game to play? Right now, I, I'm really big on just FIFA and just and playing the FIFA Ultimate Team and, and trying to you know make up for my losses during the day with wins at home, you know? <laughs> it's very optimistic. That is the line of the pod. <laughs> Weirdest thing you saw on the ground. The weirdest thing was that we didn't see PlayStation. That is weird. Why? Apparently, that you know they have their new console coming out, probably going to be called PS Five, and they don't really have any big updates on it. So why spend and invest? So we thought it was interesting to. So they're busy back at the shop putting them together. Yeah, everybody's everybody's on the assembly line. Yeah, they're going to do their own announcement out of Japan, I think, in like a week or so. Mm -hmm. Got it, guys. I cannot thank you enough. As usual, you guys were great. Apollo, thanks so much for coming for your first time. Thanks. 
That's my my thing about yeah, it. Find say, your own. Yeah, thing. you gotta find <laughs> like seething you know? disdain for the pod. That's her thing. So you gotta come up with faux enthusiasm. We'll take that. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, <laughs> listen, uh, you guys are fantastic. Please come back. I'm I'm really interested. Oh, by the way, and please everybody look up the uh, E3 paper that we're gonna drop very shortly. And where can they find it, Chelsea? Everywhere. Great. On our own channels. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll tweet it out. You can find it there. That concludes another episode of The Human Element. Thanks so much for joining us. Please remember to find us anywhere you get your pods and subscribe or pass the thought. Give us a like and we'll be back out to you really, really soon. Enjoy the summer. Bye-bye.